Welcome back, loyal listeners, to the Real Japan Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Kenzo. And I am Ferg. And we, this week, we will be bringing you some news items from Japan that uh, maybe haven't been reported on too much in the Western media and try to give you uh, our take on uh, how we feel about them as people living in Japan. But first, we will see what Ferg has been doing in the mountains for the past two weeks because uh, we took last week off. Yes, sir. Apologies to our listeners for taking last week off. I'm sure they were all eagerly refreshing their podcast apps, waiting for the next uh, episode. Mouths watering for new content. Yes, sir. So, apologies to our listeners for that. But, dude, this past week, I got a jimbe, and for listeners outside Japan, that's kind of like a... Sort of like this simple linen clothes, almost like pajamas, like shorts and a kind mm, of yeah, yeah, um, like simple linen jacket type thing. It's pretty good. It's quite comfortable. I quite like That's it. I've bad. been wearing it around the house in in the summer heat. Well, Do you you're... ever wear a jimbe? You're, you're turning Japanese, man. <laughs> yes. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe um... this is just yeah. Yeah, I th- I have one. I-, I wear it occasionally. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you not yeah. think it's comfortable? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm just a shorts and t-shirt kind of guy, you know. Yeah. 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 Although Maybe it is this... basically a shorts and t-shirt if you think about it. It's more Pretty or less much, the same isn't thing. it? Yeah. Yeah. Although, like, the top has a kind of slit down the side, so it's a little bit more airy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it is almost shorts and t-shirt, pretty mm. much. Although maybe this is just me, but I kind of feel like I'm like a patient in some kind of facility. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, <laughs> does, it does feel a bit like uh, like one of those medical gowns. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like I can imagine people in like an old person's home, kind of wandering around in these. Yeah, I agree with you there. And just one more thing quickly as well. This is not really what I was doing this past week, but I just wanted to mention it because it's funny. So I went on a kind of YouTube or uh, hole, or I went down a YouTube hole. Yeah. And I stumbled across the story of uh, Mamoru Samuragochi. Have you heard of him? Oh, is he the uh, the composer or something? <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah somehow yeah. I missed this at the time, but this is such uh-huh. a good story. Oh yeah, it's great. For listeners that don't know the story, he is a well, he was a composer who pretended to be deaf. So he was touted in the media as a kind of modern day Beethoven. Right, right. You know, the idea being that he was just hearing everything in his head and making these these great uh symphonies and, and things, and it turned out that not only was he not deaf at all, but his music was being ghostwritten. <laughs> yeah, so he basically didn't do anything. <laughs> he basically didn't do anything. But the reason why I mention it is because if you watch the press conference, it's just absolute gold. I think you'll have to watch it in Japanese, but any listeners that can understand it, it's, it's brilliant because 
he's there's like a press conference when this kind of scandal all came out when it was discovered that he wasn't really deaf mm. and he's speaking to the reporters and the reporters are asking questions and he's like answering before the sign language interpreter is finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is great. You can see the reporters are kind of like winding him up and things and, yeah, and saying, yeah. you know, can you read my lips and things and laughing at him. He seems to just completely forget about the sign language interpreter at points. It's, it's, yeah, it's really good. It cracked me up. Well worth a watch if you understand Japanese. Yeah, and the funny thing about him too is because mm. he was such a character... Yeah, like people uh, kind of forgave him for for lying to everyone, and uh-huh. so now he he's a bit of a like a weird type of celebrity almost in his own right. And, yeah, yeah. Also, the ghostwriter as well, Takashi Nigaki, became a kind of weird, almost like a celebrity as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He appeared on like variety shows and things. Yeah, so it's kind of a rare example where, uh, like, he didn't get cancelled, you know? He, yeah. He, people kind of took a liking to him. Yeah. Even though he, he was a, a liar. Yes, sir. Yeah. What about you? How has your weekend been or your past week? Yeah, so I had a, a rather event, eventful uh, weekend this, this past oh, uh, yeah? Saturday. Hmm. Yeah, I went to... um. Uh, Narita Airport. Okay. And readers, or not readers, listeners might be uh, familiar with the, the A380, the Airbus. It's, it's the huge Airbus that's two stories, like a double-decker plane. And, with, you know, with four engines and whatnot, which you don't really see too often these days. Um, but, yeah, so uh, apparently... The uh, the airlines, at least in Japan, if they don't fly a plane for 90 days, then they have to do all this crazy maintenance because essentially it's mm. been sitting around for too long. Yeah. Yeah, so what they have to do is every 90 days, they just have to take it for a little trip for like, like an hour. They just need to fly around Tokyo for like an hour and then go back. Okay. Just to, you know, avoid the the maintenance issues. Yep. And so ANA decided that, well, if we're going to fly for an hour anyway, then why don't we have people come, just come for a little trip? You know, like a little... Oh, that's a, good. Like a little sightseeing trip, you know, around, you know, just fly a little loop around Tokyo and go, go over Mount Fuji and then come back. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a... Uh, so you would apply online and apparently the odds were like one out of 150 so it was pretty slim odds oh, wow like less yeah. than one percent uh mm. but but somehow me and my family got tickets that's the power of real japan your yeah, connections <laughs> and uh yeah so we went to we went on the flight and that was it was kind of interesting because uh, yeah, we took off from Narita and then an hour later we landed in Narita again. Mm. So that's not something you experienced too much. Um, yeah, it was, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. They gave us like a commemorative because I think this was the first time they had ever done such a thing. 
Yeah, because presumably normally they wouldn't have air, you know, aircraft sitting around like that. Yeah, yeah, for for three months. Yeah, so yeah, yeah so they gave us like commemorative, uh, like little stuffed airplane toy things and. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Did you get any food? Uh, yeah they they gave they were, they were giving out um because the the airplane itself only mm. only flies on the Narita to Honolulu route. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's the only route where they use that particular aircraft, and so mm. they had it was like so the aircraft itself has like a Hawaiian theme like paint job and everything. Hmm. And in the flight too, they they were giving out the, the like the drinks that they would normally serve when they were going to Hawaii. So it was uh, it was pineapple juice for the non-alcoholic types, and yep. uh, and mojitos for the alcoholic types. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but and but unfortunately, since I I drove there and I had to drive back. Yeah. And yeah, no mojito for me. You were a good boy. Well yeah. behaved. Yeah. But hey, the pineapple juice was good. Not complaining. Yep. That sounds like quite a good adventure. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Wow, good stuff. So, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for my week. All right. Well, shall we move on to our coronavirus roundup? Yep, yep, let's do it. Not too much to say about coronavirus. Yeah, it seems like week. it's more of the same. These past two weeks? Yes, it does seem that the number of cases has perhaps dropped yeah, slightly. Yeah, it seems like it's plateaued a bit, yeah, mm. definitely. Well, the most recent number, so as of 11am on the 24th of August, the day before we are recording, mm. there were 493 new cases across Japan and 13 deaths. The number of deaths is slightly high. But the yeah. number of new cases is quite low, really. It's the first time it's been below 500 for 35 days. Wow. Never, yeah. Nevertheless, it brought the total up to 63,369 cases in total. And mm. within this 493 new cases, it included 95 new cases in Tokyo which is the first time the number in Tokyo has been below 100 for 47 days. Wow. Since July the 8th, and we're now, you know, approaching the end of August. And uh, also... And then, although mm-hmm. you know, it must be noted that Monday is typically the, the least, right, I think? Yes, yes, that's true, yes. Yeah. But but even I mean, even that being said, mm. yeah, if it's it's the lowest in thirty some odd days, then I think we're definitely uh, going in the right direction now. Yes, yes, yeah. and the number of tests as well. I mean, as you say, there's variation between the days of the week, but in general, mm. on average, the number of tests appears to be mostly in line with recent numbers, somewhere oh, okay, between okay. twenty and thirty thousand per day. Mm-hmm with the positive rate in those tests it's around 5%, slightly lower than the 7% or so figure that okay, we have so seen by recently. Just about any indicator, we're, we're at least going in the right direction then. Mm, it does. It, it seems, I mean, it that, seems way. that way. It seems that way, yeah. 
I mean, as we've discussed many times, you know, it can't, it, it's very difficult with coronavirus to know exactly where we stand because yeah, they can yeah. focus their testing in different areas to achieve the same number of tests with a different positive rate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, but as you say, if we just look at the numbers, it does appear that perhaps we're heading in the right direction. Aichi Prefecture, the where Nagoya, the third major urban centre of Japan, is located, saw 43 new infections. And as a result, the number of new cases in Aichi has been below 100 people for 11 days in a row, and so they ended their kind of unique state of emergency. Okay, okay. And also, along with that, they ended their requests at certain stores and restaurants, etc., short and opening hours. Mm-hmm. Does, uh, do, mm. do, do your numbers say anything about Okinawa? Because I know that place was kind of blowing up with uh, new cases. Yeah, I don't have Okinawa right in front of me. Um, I okay. can tell you, though, that the total number in Okinawa is 1,916. All right. Which is quite high. If we compare that to Nagano, in Nagano it's 184. Mm, yeah, yeah. O- Okinawa was getting hammered. Mm. At least a couple were, weeks back. Yeah. Yeah. So there were four people died in Okinawa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In that, the 13 people. That I mentioned. Right, among the 13, yeah. So a good, yeah. good chunk of them were in Okinawa, yeah. Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, that might be a result of the high number of infections, as you said, that we've seen uh, recently in yeah. Okinawa. Yeah, and then some people were speculating, too, that um, mm. it might be because it's, uh, American service members have brought over like the, a different strain that's more contagious. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So that the spread was quicker in Okinawa when it kind of got unleashed. Yeah, that could certainly be the case. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, I mean, the only thing to remember about the figures in Okinawa is that the figures for American service personnel are reported differently to right, the yeah, figures yeah. for general. So, so the figures op- we have are just for the general Japanese public, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah. you'll see in comments underneath articles like, well, how much of this is American personnel? And the answer is, well, none, because it's mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. a different number. Okay. So, as I said, we are kind of in a strange situation at the moment. We're kind of in limbo. It appears that we're heading in the same direction, but I don't know. I think we need to wait a few more weeks and see. Yeah, I mean, as is always the case with these COVID numbers in in any country, Mm. really. They can either, you know, on purpose or maybe the government kind of nudges it in a certain direction. I mean, they can be, to a degree, they can be manipulated depending on, you know, I mean, like like, uh, Ferg said earlier, if you test Mm. different sections of the population, you, you can keep the number of tests the same, but still kind of aim for a lower number. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Until you really look at, you know, several weeks worth of, of numbers, it's really hard to say. Yeah, exactly. The 
last week, so this was on August 20th, the, and that expert panel met, and this is the same expert panel that I mentioned in our previous episode. Mm-hmm. And according to that panel, Tokyo was at the level four stage of infection spreading. So the highest the Tokyo level. alert. <laughs> well, that's that's what we talked about, right? It seems there just aren't really any sort of real measures to combat the virus now. No. But uh, as in light of the most recent numbers coming out, maybe at the next meeting, perhaps they will say that we have dropped back down to stage three or even stage yeah. two. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I, I have... mean, any any progress would be welcome. Hmm. How have you found it? I have, for the first time in a long time, I've noticed a few people not wearing masks when I've been out and about. Have you noticed anything like that? Or yeah, um, I, I think uh, based on what I've seen, and, you know, and I don't go out very often still, mm. but uh, whenever I am out, just you know buying groceries or whatnot. Uh, mm. Yeah, I definitely get the feeling that there are less people wearing masks. Um, mm. I'll, I'll, granted, it's still very few people that aren't wearing masks. You know, they're few and far between, but they, they yeah. are, there are people that aren't wearing masks, which definitely wasn't the case before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before, I mean, it would be, yeah, 100% of people or pretty damn close to it were wearing masks, but now mm. maybe not as much. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like ninety percent. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As I said, it does seem like we're in this kind of state of limbo. Perhaps people are getting a little bit tired of. Yeah, people are just getting sick of all the. Uh, you know, some people are just like, "Screw it, man." Yeah. Yeah. And just one final item in our coronavirus roundup: the so NHK reported the national broadcaster reported last week that. Japan will ease entry bans on foreigners with resident visas. So, previously, when the coronavirus hit, basically, more or less, Japan said to its foreign residents, you know, if you leave the country, you're not getting back in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't do that to Japanese people, obviously, because you can't uh, have ca- these kind of stateless people. Yeah, you can't bar people from entering their own country. Exactly, exactly. So there was a lot of talk about, you know, how it's racist, Mm -hmm. which I don't know, I don't entirely disagree with. But on the other hand, I think probably there were practical reasons as well why they couldn't do it for Japanese people as well. Yeah, yeah. But basically, they effectively banned people from, you know, over 140 countries. And it affected 2.6 million people living in Japan as residents, not not mm. tourists, residents of Japan. So we will see. I don't believe there's been an official statement by the government yet, but we will see. And hopefully they will ease that travel ban. I mean, I have no plans to travel anywhere myself until it's we're seeing a significant reduction in the number of cases. But Yeah, or until there's a vaccine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. But it is interesting to note, and it might be helpful for some people that have a desperate need to travel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they did allow travel in very rare, exceptional circumstances on kind of humanitarian grounds. 
like you know if you uh had for example a, a funeral perhaps of a close family member but yeah yeah but th- there was this whole convoluted like you had to get mm. stamps and do all that do all the paperwork right so uh, yeah exactly not an easy process right oh well i think that about concludes our coronavirus roundup although do you have a, a story somewhat related yeah yeah so i think we'll, we'll segue into my related story uh, yes sir so here it goes uh, typically, I, I try to avoid COVID stories because because you know, we do the roundup, and so you know I, I don't want people to get too bogged down with because this isn't mm. a COVID podcast. No, although, sir. Although certainly it feels that way sometimes. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, in uh, the Nikkei, which is pretty much the Japanese version of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, there was an article about the the COVID contact tracing app, which uh, the government is pushing pretty hard for try to get people to use. And I think there are similar apps, right, in like in the U.S. and the U.K. I believe. Yep. Yeah. And so the Nikkei ran a uh, a survey for, and and just as an aside. I always feel that Japanese surveys are flawed in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Like they just, yeah, they're not very like it's. First of all, it's not a random sample. They only surveyed members of the Nikkei online, which I think immediately creates a bit of a bias because people that are online members are probably, generally speaking, a bit more tech savvy than the general public at large yes um so so with that in mind you know take take these figures with a, a grain of salt but with uh, with that being said the, the nikkei online ran a survey to their members and thirteen thousand responded and basically the survey asked whether you had downloaded the app and whether you ha- whether the app told you you had been positive or not been positive, whether the app told you you had come in close contact with someone who was positive, and then what actions you took when you got that notification. So, of the thirteen thousand, three quarters of respondents had installed the app. So, seventy six percent had installed the app. What and, a high number. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty high number. But, you know, these are people that are mm. online members. So mm. they're probably a bit more. I'm sure that's higher than the general populace. Well, not only that, but you have your Venn diagram of people that are both online, so a little right. bit tech savvy, and interested in COVID-19 because they're reading about polls and things on the Nikkei yeah. online. Mm-hmm. So that's the perfect intersection for people likely yeah, to download the app. Exactly. And uh, of these 13,000, uh, 120 people had received a notification that they had been in close contact with someone who had tested positive. So about on a 1%, I guess. 
All right, so then it moves on to then the follow-up question to that is, so these 120 people, you know, what did you do? You know, what actions did you take when you had received this notification? And 90 people said they didn't really do anything. Um, you know, I mean, they, they obviously, they were, you know, a bit careful about their, their health. You know, they were, they monitored their health to see if, uh, you know, they weren't falling ill. Um, so, you know, basically they took measures on their own. And then 30 people contacted the local health authorities to, you know, try, try to get tested. And 80% of those 30 people, so basically most of them, yeah. uh, were, were unable to get tested. Wow. Because the, the health center either said, well, the app is just a, a guideline. So don't worry about it. If you, if you start mm -hmm. feeling sick, then, then, then come on in, was what they were told. And the remaining uh, five people were able to get tested uh, just because they wanted to. Um, so yeah, I think it, it illustrates the, it's just another example of this like wishy-washy, like the government, mm -hmm. like they put in place these measures, like the app and yeah, they don't really, they didn't really think it through. So yeah, yeah based on that feedback though, apparently the government's going to pass some legislation that says if, um. If the app tells you that you've been in close contact, then there'll be like no questions asked. You can get tested, which I think is the right the right way to go. Yeah, that would seem to make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It seems like that's the way it should be done in the first place. But mm. uh, in any case, yeah, they're they're gonna change the the law, you know, around around the uh, the notifications on the apps so mm. people can get tested. Um, and then also there's, there's a kind of a funny thing about the app itself, but so the app is supposed to send, give you like a notification mm. on your phone. Uh, I think like once a week, it'll send you notifications saying, you know, you have come in contact with usually it's zero, but you know, like your, uh, how many people you've come in contact with that have previously tested positive. And, and you can also check it yourself if you open the app. But some respondents to the survey said that they got a notification 10 days after they had come in contact with someone that was positive. 10 days afterwards? Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was like, wow, that, that doesn't really help me very much. You know, if you get yeah. notifications saying you came in contact with the COVID person ten days ago. Mm. Like, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's my little uh my little blurb on the on the COVID app. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I think it's perhaps a little bit short sighted to not I mean, as you said, it sounds like they're changing the policy, but 
to not test people who aren't displaying symptoms despite them being notified that they've been in close contact with you know someone with COVID-19 for what is it 15 minutes or more yeah 50 oh yeah sorry yeah, I should probably uh, explain that too uh, the app will it considers you in close contact with a positive person if you've been within one meter for 15 minutes or longer yeah because mm. it, it seems like one of the most effective ways to control the spread of the virus is this kind of track and trace yeah exactly and system. also yeah mm. to i think this is one of the rare instances where you would be able to go get tested even if you were asymptomatic exactly exactly yeah. we know that there's many people that do get infected and then are asymptomatic but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just because they're asymptomatic and not going to get seriously sick themselves doesn't mean they can't transmit it to someone else or multiple exactly, people exactly. who will get get sick. Yeah, so at the very least, it, it feels like they should have just made it, made that policy in the first place. But mm -hmm. I, I get the feeling at the time, and even to this day in Japan, it's, it's really a pain in the ass to get tested. Yeah, yeah. And and if you really want to get tested, you pretty much got to pay out of pocket. And it's like mm. uh, <clears throat> $200, I think, mm. to get tested. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this app as well has been another kind of example of the some of the issues with the Japanese government's response to the virus. Mm. Despite the fact that the outcome seems very good, that Japan has suffered much less than other countries, but... You know, the we have talked in previous episodes of The Real Japan about how this app has been beset by problems, you know, sort of false notifications, yeah, allowing, like, the entry of these false numbers and things. Yeah, where people could just input mm -hmm. bullshit numbers and they would be... The app wouldn't... They didn't do any checks to see whether yeah. that was, like, a real number, so... Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because... Yeah, if you were verified positive from a health institution, you got a number and then you could put it in the app, which would be used to alert other people. Right, yeah. Mm. But as you said, you could just put in any number and it wouldn't check it. At, yeah. at first, it, that issue has been fixed, I believe. Yeah, they, they fixed it, yeah. Granted, they did, they did fix it. Yeah, okay. Well, um... Oh, just quickly, do you have yeah. the app on your phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I downloaded it on either the the day of or the day after mm. it uh it was published mm. oh wow yeah but but then like like you described um i think w within a week they discovered mm. that the bug where anyone could just put in any number yeah and so it got taken down and mm. i was without it for you know however long it was down but mm. but yeah I've, I've had it on my phone yeah mm. good stuff what about you you got it no, I don't have it. I mean, I never come into oh, contact yeah, with right. anyone yeah, anyway. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure really how useful it would be out here in rural Nagano where it's all elderly people around me. I'm not yeah, sure. It'll, it'll probably just drain your battery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, okay, I guess that uh, about wraps that up. All oh, right. Well, the 
story I want to talk about today is something that's challenging conventions and people's, how would you say it, ideas about body hair in Japan. Okay. I, so, for interested listeners, this story relates to an, art,、uh, to an advert that I retweeted on our Twitter. So, you can check us out at the Real Japan Guys on Twitter.、Mm. Is that our Twitter handle? Yeah, real,、uh, at Real Japan Guys. Yep. Yep. So, you can see the advert I'm about to talk about. So, this advert. Is a major advertising campaign by the Kai Group who manufacture razors. And it has gone up in many places around Tokyo, including subway stations and in Shibuya, a major shopping center of Tokyo, favored by young people.、Mm-hmm. Featuring the model Meme, written like meme, but pronounced Meme, who. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we'll stick with meme. <laughs> yes, sir.、Um, who we will come on to in a minute because she is an interesting character, also. But in the advert, she is raising her arms above her head and exposing her unshaven armpits. Ooh. What do you think of that as a California boy? I, I, I don't like it one bit. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean, hey, you can do what well, you like, but it's not, not, up,、uh, not up my alley, let's put it that way. Yeah, well, certainly, I think this is a highly unusual image in Japan.、Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the West, we have seen in recent years this kind of move to give women, especially, more freedom with their body hair.、Mm-hmm. But. It's still very new in Japan. Yeah. So the, the text beside the image says something like, and this is my like, rough translation it says, You decide whether it's unwanted. And unwanted here refers to like, Japanese.、Hair. Yeah, exactly. Japanese call、uh, body hair, excess body hair, mudage, which literally means like unwanted. Hair right, or unwanted、right. body hair. Then it goes on to say, women who don't care about body hair are cool, and men with smooth skin are also great. We can choose our own fashion and lifestyle. We should have more freedom about how we shave our hair. Free shaving. Was that like a hashtag? Yeah, hashtag. Well, it's in, it, it's in Japanese. Hashtag soru ni jiyu o. Ah, okay. Ha- hashtag free shaving. All right. Yeah, or freedom in shaving, literally. So, just to give people a bit of background that aren't familiar with the culture around this issue, Japan is like, I would say it's more sort of strict than the West about this issue. There's been this kind of image. The excess body hair is unhygienic.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, in a more sort of xenophobic context, you, you hear about kind of like hairy foreigners and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, like mm-hmm. with males, it's、uh, typically like chest hair. Yes. Is, yes.、Uh, I think the incidence 
of chest hair in Japanese males is somewhat low mm. compared to you know, just a genetic thing, I guess, compared to uh, Westerners. Mm. And yeah, so I think chest hair especially is kind of seen as this kind of weird, exotic, foreign thing. Yes, and beards and stubble are very rare here. Mm, yeah, yeah. It is interesting because Japan does actually have a long tradition of facial hair with, you know, lots of warriors and things um, had facial hair. Mm -hmm, but these mm -hmm. days it's frowned upon in a professional context. And that may have something to do with the history because, oh, facial, yes. you know, maybe I'm just mm. speculating here, but the because facial hair was typically associated with uh, imperialistic mm. things. So maybe they tried to kind of, you know, cut cut down on that after after the war. It's a possibility. Yeah, it could be certainly. Yeah. And, you know, that's the men, but women are sort of expected to be basically totally smooth, like no armpit hair. Tsuru tsuru mm -hmm. they call it in Japanese. Yeah. And also, many women in Japan, in addition to shaving their armpits and legs, they shave, like, their arms, their forearms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As well, which I feel like, I mean, I'm, I don't really know about this, but I feel like that's not something most women in the West do. Do you feel? Yeah. Or do you, do you think women in the West shave their forearms uh, as well? Well, I, I, I know some people definitely do, but, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I agree with you that I think overall... It's probably a lower mm. proportion of women in, in, in Western countries shave their arms. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that that might be partly because, you know, most Japanese people have sort of like coarser, thicker black hair. Whereas mm, yeah. many mm -hmm. like Western mm. women have uh, like kind of thinner, lighter hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's not as uh, noticeable. Right, mm. even if even if they don't shave, yeah. But I mean, either way, it does it. It does seem that this culture is very pervasive in Japan. That women are expected to, you know, not have any uh, body hair publicly visible. Yeah, and although, and uh, mm. just when you mentioned publicly visible, um, mm. yeah, one thing that is kind of goes against that. Mm. In in Japan is I th I think a lot less people are uh, remove hair from their their nether regions. Yes, yes, in, I in knew. Japan. Yeah, yeah, we have to mention it, don't we? Yeah, I, mean, I think we need to at least uh, touch upon that. Mm. Yes, I mean, speaking to to uh, female friends, one thing they told me is that you know if they go to the onsen, the hot springs. Where obviously everyone is naked. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, women who have shaved their their private parts is, uh, you know, has often sort of attracted disapproving looks from older women. Yeah. Who you know assume that they are, how would you say, promiscuous? Promiscuous, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where that comes from. Like, why? Mm. Why would shaving your private parts mean that you are from... Oh, it might be because um, 
Because I think, because back in the day, even before it was popular in the West, I think the only time people would shave their their private parts is uh, if they got crabs. Oh, I see. You know, so I think yeah. that's still leftovers uh, in Japan, at least, where yeah. there's there's no reason to shave it unless, mm-hmm. you know, you had a, like a good reason, which would be crabs. Mm. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, nether regions aside, mm-hmm. this culture of being totally smooth, apart from that, is very pervasive. And, yeah. you know, on trains and everywhere, there's these ads everywhere for hair removal mm-hmm. yeah, clinics. It's a booming industry. It's a huge industry, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm. The interesting thing about this is that, um, the history of shaving armpit hair is actually quite kind of recent in Japan because up to the Second World War, most Japanese people in everyday life wore like Japanese uh, clothes. Mm. So kimono, yukata, which is a kind of light summer kimono. So their armpits weren't really visible. It was only around the 1960s that when Western clothing started to be widely worn in Japan that people first started to shave their armpit, perhaps uh, under a kind of American influence. Mm. And then, you know, in the late, by the time we got to like the late 1970s, then it became very common to wear, you know, for example, sleeveless dresses and tops and things. And at that mm-hmm. point, that was, yeah, that was when yeah. it really became like widespread. Right, right. And, and quite, just just mm. quickly, I, I, I you got to respect women for shaving mm. their pits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's got to be a pain in the ass, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm sure you know some some women do like the mm. whole uh, laser removal that whole thing. Yeah, right? true. So they don't have to worry about it anymore. But yeah, mm. that's that's got to be a pain. Yes, sir. I mean, men yeah. have to shave their face here as well. Like, as, yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. As I mentioned, Japan is a lot more strict in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, having facial hair. But, you know, recently, in recent years, there has even been many, you know, I've seen a number of adverts for hair removal services for men. Yeah, yeah, it's catching on among the, the males too. Yes, sir. Including sort of like laser removal of hair on on your face, so you never yeah, have to so shave. Yeah, and and and, yeah. and I'll, mm. I'll be honest, I considered that. Oh, did you? Yeah, because you don't have to shave anymore, you know. Mm, yeah, but but then I thought, well, you know, maybe I don't know, ten ten years down the line, mm. or, or even next year, you know, may, maybe I want to grow it out. Yeah, that's and, the problem, isn't and it? And I w- I wouldn't be able to, you know. Because mm. I don't know if, I don't know if you can reverse that. Mm, yeah. And even if you could, I'm sure it wouldn't be cheap. So yeah, yeah. So I was just like, eh, maybe not. Yeah. The um. The I I one major demographic I could see that might be interested in that is if you are easily if your skin is easily irritated by shaving. Oh yeah, yeah. That's true. You know, if you have to shave every day and your skin is, you're always breaking out in rashes, then it might make sense to do that. Yeah, but as you said, yeah. you know, I have a bit, but if I didn't, I probably wouldn't, just in case I wanted to, to grow out in future. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
Anyway, back. So now we've given our our listeners a bit of cultural background. There, let's get back to this this startling ad with a young woman proudly displaying her hairy pits. Yeah. So, so according to a, an employee of the company Kai Group, which actually just quickly this Kai Group, so it, it, it's you know quite an old company. It was founded in 1908 in Seki. City in Gifu Prefecture, and apparently this city is known as the home of razors in Japan. Hmm. But yeah, so a major company we're talking about here, not not some little little maverick mm-hmm. big company. And according to an employee of the company who was quoted in the article that I read, they had been thinking about this issue for perhaps a year or so, following you know a lot of feedback on social media and interviews with young people. Yeah. And they, as a result, they began working on this campaign about six months or so ago. They, it seems unusual perhaps for a company that manufactures razors to be encouraging people to think about this idea. But according to the employee quoted in the article, Mm -hmm. you know, they have to face up to this issue because it's one that affects them, obviously. Yeah. Primarily. Yeah. I mean, it sounds to me, to me like they know a train is coming and they want to get, you know, out in front of it or out of the way of it or whatever you call it. <laughs> they see a train coming and they want to get out in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I see, yeah, I know what you mean. They want to get they want to get ahead of the issue. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So they conducted a survey of. 600 men and women aged between 15 and 39 and they found that 70 approximately 75 percent had you know trouble or issues with razors Mm -hmm. 85 percent found that the issue of you know body hair and shaving and things were difficult to discuss in japanese society 36 percent said they felt restricted by society's views on body hair, or they felt that society's views on body hair were wrong. And eighty okay. percent of respondents said it's fine to choose whether to shave or not shave your hair, depending on how you feel. Hmm. And I think this was in a different survey, I'm not hundred percent sure, or maybe it was in the same one, but Yeah. They also found, or perhaps this was a different survey, as I said, that almost 49%, 48.6% of women said that women did not have to shave their body hair if they didn't want to. Okay, so well, about half. Yeah, about half. Yeah. While almost, well, sorry, while only 37% of men said that women did not have to shave their body hair. If they didn't want to. What do you think of that? I mean, I think kind of like men don't have much choice, right? And this, like, if the the women say they're not going to shave it. Yeah, what are you going to do, Not much the men could do, right? I I, I guess it's just a a preference thing at that point. Yes, yes, sir. I mean... I, I found this story quite interesting because gen- Japan generally sort of lags behind the West in this area. I suppose it would fall into the broader diversity kind of 
category. Yeah, yeah. Well, Japan, you know, it's uh, there's that cliche that's known in the West, right, where the uh, the hammer that sticks out gets, or no, the nail that sticks out gets hammered down. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. And uh, that, but yeah, that still holds true to this day mm. in a I lot mean, of ways. It's interesting. Like I, according to the article I read, you know, I don't follow cosmetics and things closely, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. You know, apparently most Western companies have moved away from the idea of, like, you know, beautiful white skin. Or, like, bihaku, right. it would be called in, in Japan. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. in particular, like, whitening products, you know, have been getting a very bad press in recent years. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's still yeah. quite kind of common in Japan to see, like, bihaku used in, in uh, advertising campaigns, I feel. Oh yeah, uh, wh- white skin equals beautiful skin. I mean, that's yes. uh, just the prevailing sentiment among Japanese people. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I think you know, listeners probably might already know, but it stems from this old kind of like in you know, in the olden days, you'd have like the rich aristocratic woman would not have to go out to work in the fields or anything, so they would have paler skin than. Right. You know, like the peasant woman who would be out working in the field and they would have darker tan skin. Right. And also just, uh, mm. you know, if anyone's ever looked at like old Japanese paintings or whatever, the, 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 the kind of makeup that people, that women wore. Yes. Like they would, it was literally like, like white paint almost that they would paint their faces white. Yes. Uh, as, as part of their, like that was the, the makeup of the, of the era. Yes. And, you know, when they would go out to their rich people parties and whatnot, they would paint their faces white. Mm. And so, yeah, there's always been this um, this I- idealized kind of whiteness equals beauty thing in Japanese culture. Yes, yes. Yeah. Although, I don't know. I mean, we could go around in circles on this, but it's not, like you said, it's it's... A long, it has a long tradition in Japan, and it's not really connected with like white people, is it? It's more right, like mm-hmm. unique to Japanese culture itself. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not necessarily they're trying. Yeah, it's not necessarily they're trying to you know mm. be white, mm. uh, as in they're trying to you know look more like white uh, ethnic white people. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily the objective. It's just that for, yeah, for whatever reason, it's just always been a, from the days of old, you know, yeah, having white skin has been seen as a positive thing. And, and that probably stems from, like, like Fergal was saying, that uh, women in the fields would get tanned, so they had darker skin. So having pale skin was seen as a, uh, a symbol of, of wealth and uh, high social status. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, you know, Japan does lag behind a bit, perhaps, in this area, kind of diversity, Mm -hmm. I suppose you would say. But, you know, we have seen movement in that area in recent years. One example that I thought was interesting, I'm not sure whether this falls under the umbrella of diversity, I suppose it does, but Kureha is a big Japanese company that makes, like, saran wrap and cling Mm -hmm. film. And they put out this new advert 
that it reminded me of. Do you remember there was that Gillette ad in the West that was that attracted all that criticism? That was like, what was it? It was something like "Be the best man" or something. You can be in it. It was right around the time of Me Too. When oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Gillette got they got hammered on the on the social <laughs> media. They ad. got absolutely hammered. Yeah, this, yeah, I remember that. The kind of sentiment in, in this career ad reminded me a little bit of that, but it has a, it, basically it shows a man helping his wife at home mm-hmm. in, around the house, you know, doing cooking and cleaning and things and helping out with the, um, their kid. And the wife it's is just funny because the, the whole the whole undertone yeah. of the ad is also like sexist, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. oh, obviously it's the woman the woman that's doing all the the chores. Yeah, exactly. And then the, that's ma- the man is going to help out because he's a nice guy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Although to give them their credit, they do say in the in the kind of subtitles on it, you know, mm. this it's not about helping; it's about doing it together. But ah, okay. But yeah, as you said, I do think it's funny that they're presenting it as this kind of novel idea. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, look, we had this great idea, you know. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine that. Interestingly enough, maybe it was just a glitch or something when I checked it, but the video had 5.6 million views on YouTube, but didn't have any comments. Mm. What do you think of that? Uh, I think they're buying views, man. Yeah, the the comments were on, I believe. But what really yeah. the com like the comments are on, and there's yep. no comments. Yeah, I'm gonna check now just in case that was kind of like a one-off issue on my YouTube. But I would it... think so. But if it's not, then that is that's well, like borderline impossible. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no comments on it. I just checked it. That's weird, man. Like, the only explanation I can come up with is, like, it's embedded on a different website. Oh, yeah. Like, like Yahoo News and everyone's favorite news site in Japan. Yeah. And uh, so everyone's watching the embedded version. Mm. And no one's actually watching it on the YouTube website. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that would be a reasonable explanation. Oh, wow, you're right. That is weird. Yeah. But, interestingly enough... That's creepy, man. (laughs) Yes. So, the Gillette ad received a very negative... um, Received a lot of negative coverage in the West, whereas this Kurihad ad uh, has received quite positive coverage in Japan. So I think Yeah, people liked it apparently. Yes, sir. I think people still find this sort of maybe perhaps people are a bit tired of it in the West, but in Japan the whole idea of appealing to diversity is still quite quite new. Yeah, it's a fresh idea. Yes, sir. And this Kai advertising campaign featuring the meme character is a good example of that. It's a it's despite being quite fresh and novel, it has Attracted from what I've read, mainly positive coverage in the media mm-hmm, mm. and on social media as well. You know, yeah. Well, mm. um, you know, uh, you know, being from the West, mm. I think we might feel that uh, it's a bit behind the times. But mm. uh, but yeah, it's a positive message. I think it's uh, mm. 
heading in the right direction. So hopefully Japan can catch up to the rest of the world and yeah, promoting more uh, more diverse viewpoints and lifestyles. Yes, sir. Certainly. Yeah. But the most interesting thing I thought about this whole story, you know, because honestly, I don't really care that much whether women shave their armpits or not. It's not. Yeah, I mean, it's not a deal breaker. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do. I do prefer the uh, the smooth pits, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, the woman in the marketing campaign. Did you notice anything strange about her? Um. Like the, she looked kind of weird. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why I feel that way, but so maybe it's like the the lighting or the mm. the makeup or I don't know or, or maybe it's actually a he, like she is actually a he or. Well, so for listeners, it's she does look kind of startling somehow. She is, you know, she's Asian. She looks Japanese. She has bright orange hair. She has like a kind of birthmark on her chin, on her jaw. But she's yeah, like a kind of young, attractive woman, I would say. Yeah. But, Kenzo, I'm about to blow your mind. Uh-oh. <laughs> that is not a real woman. I knew it. She is made with CGI. Oh, okay. She's a virtual human. She's a virtual meme. Yes, sir. According to her sort of profile put out by the company, she's an arty woman who wants to work with art or design. Her personality is punk. She has a complex about the birthmarks or the marks on her forehead and jaw, but she also sees them... Mm. As an expression of her individuality. And I actually, I don't know if you can, can you access our Instagram account at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pull it up. I followed her on Instagram. Oh, really? Yep. And the cheeky tagline in her profile says, call me meme or call me meme. I just want to be fucking real. And then in brackets or in parentheses, made with CG though. CG human, model and artist. But if you look at her profile on Instagram, and for listeners, I believe her profile is uh, meme, like M-E-M-E, dot konnichiwa in in you know spelt out like k o n yeah n i c h i there's only one n oh yes sorry yes but it looks really like a real profile right yeah it looks legit and they got pictures of her like out drinking and stuff yeah and it even appears she has a kind of boyfriend a man with uh, blue hair is he Fake too? I'm not 100% sure about whether or not he's fake. Wow, but yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, and she went on holiday to London and things. 
I mean, you could really oh, pretty cool. imagine this being a real person's profile, right? Yeah, if you did, if you you didn't tell me that it was a computer-generated woman, then I would be none the wiser. Yes, sir. I mean, to be honest, I maybe I'm too much of a cynic, but I think it's kind of scary that this is where we are now. Like a huge company making fake profiles on social media of kind of slightly sexy, arty woman. You know, if you like scroll through her mm-hmm. Instagram profile, there's pictures of her in her underwear and things. Yeah, yeah. On social media and kind of championing diversity in order to sell more products. Do you not think uh, it's a kind yeah, of strange new reality weird. that we live in? A yeah, brave new world, man. Yes, sir. Makes me feel a little yeah. bit uncomfortable. Like, it's almost like something out of the uh, Fifth Element. You know, that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. This is strange times, man. And we've entered this sort of uncanny valley. Yeah. As soon as it's just going to be... Well, I think it already is to a certain degree, but it's just going to be bots talking to each other. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, the humans just kind of sit back and have like our feeding tube feeds us and yeah. like just fed a constant diet of of Netflix. Yeah, it's just going to end up being like the Matrix someday. <laughs> yes, sir. Or we're just all plugged in and the bots talk to each other. Yes, sir. But I do think it's that was the most interesting thing I thought about it. That it's not a real person in there. Mm-hmm. You know they have they've made this this whole kind of quite believable profile, and yeah. based around an image that, I mean, to me her sort of fashion and style is the kind that you'd normally associate with like a young sort of anti-consumerist kind of rebellious type figure, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So anyway, the strange new world yeah. we live okay. in, eh? Yeah, strange times. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I guess that mm. uh, that about wraps it up for this segment. Yes, sir. All right, so we'll uh, we'll segue into our outro here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as as uh, as we were discussing, we have a Twitter and an Instagram, so you can check those out. Our username on both of those is at Real Japan Guys. We also have a website at the Real. Dot jp or you can email us at mail at thereal.jp and find this podcast on apple podcasts spotify and google podcasts so we will see y'all again next week thanks for sticking around goodbye listeners bye bye